by Bonnie Lin, Director of the China Power Project and Senior Fellow for Asian Security at the Center for Strategic and International Studies. In this episode of the China Power Podcast, we are discussing Taiwan's upcoming January 2024 presidential election, a critical election to see who will succeed Taiwan's current president Tsai Ing-wen, who is term limited and cannot run again. What are the respective political agendas and goals of the Kuomintang Party and the Democratic Progressive Party? What has happened so far in the election process, and what should we expect in the coming months? Joining us for this discussion is Eric Huang and Ling Feifan. Eric is currently pursuing a master's in public administration at Harvard Kennedy School. Previously, he served as a spokesperson for the KMT and then as deputy director. Of the International Affairs Department, he was appointed as the KMT Deputy Representative in the United States, and was an adjunct lecturer at Taiwan's Tomcom University. Eric received his master's degree in international political economy at the Johns Hopkins School of Advanced International Studies. Feifan is a board member of the New Frontier Foundation, the official think tank of the Democratic Progressive Party in Taiwan. He was a student activist who led the Sunflower Movement in 2014 and joined the DPP as the party's deputy secretary general in 2019. He received his master's degree in political science from National Taiwan University. Eric and Feifan, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having us. No, thank you. Before delving into the Taiwan elections and some of the recent news. I'd like to actually give the floor to each of you to share with us what your roles are、uh, when thinking about the elections and with relations to your party. So maybe I can turn to Eric first, and then Feifan. Thank you, Bonnie. It's, it's quite an honor to be here. So currently, I am a Mason Fellow at Harvard Kennedy School, but、uh, in my capacity as a concerning citizen from Taiwan, I do help out KMT candidates. Policy, and、uh, I am an observer of Taiwan's election. Thank you, Eric Feifan. Yes, um, uh, uh, thank you, Bonnie. It's really good to have the chance to、uh, speak with you again, and and especially for the audience、uh, at this podcast. And I'm currently the board member of New Frontier Foundation, and New Frontier Foundation is the think tank of DPP. And so the think tanks right now, the role in the campaign is to help. To help our presidential candidate to draw his policy platform、uh, for 2024 campaign, so my role is participating in the、uh, discussion group,、uh, the working group on foreign policy, national security, and cross-strait issues as well. So, so let, now let's turn to the 2024 Taiwan presidential elections. There's been quite a bit of discussion of the different candidates as well as the different party proposed policies and political agendas. Eric, if you don't mind, let me turn to you first to talk about the KMT candidate. As you know, Hoyoyi was selected as the candidate this May. Could you share with us how you understand his goals and the agenda that he has for Taiwan, and how his, does his policies separate him from other candidates? Yes, I'm, I'm more than happy to talk about Hoyoyi's、uh, presidential platform. Hoyoyi is the KMT's candidate, and We nominated him through the party's、uh, process when our party chairman drafted him,、uh, among other potential candidates. 
And for those who are familiar with Taiwan's politics, Hou Youyi has been the mayor of New Taipei City, Taiwan's most populated city in northern Taiwan. And he has earned himself a reputation of being someone, A, uh, who isn't particularly political. He is very centrist in terms of ideologies. And he has a reputation of being somebody who works hard and reflects upon people's livelihood at times are not very political towards today's uh, very divided politics in Taiwan. So many thought Hou Youyi um, is a great candidate with his centrist platform and care about people's livelihood, and who is somebody has a strong track record of uh, law and order and has a strong track record of public service. Compare him to other uh, two major presidential candidates, that is, current Vice President Lai Qingde from the ruling party, and Mayor Ke, Ke Wenzhe, Taipei, former Taipei mayor, the candidate from Taiwan's People's Party. I think the striking differences, at least to me, is we believe Hou Youyi, compared to Ke Wenzhe, has better governing experience and has a strong group of advisors and potential uh, cabinet members to help him. And to strike the difference between Hou Youyi and Lai Qingde, I think uh, many will uh, come to their differences in terms of cross-trade relations and economic policies for Taiwan going forward. Eric, if you don't mind, what are the major differences in terms of cross-strait policy for Ho compared to Lai that you were referring to? I think uh, tension has developed in international space, especially since Ukraine uh, invasion. And many has talked about how Taiwan is cut in middle between the United States and China's competition. So many here in Taiwan are quite concerned about how can Taiwan navigate itself in this space going forward. We believe that the KMT candidate, Hou Youyi, has positioned, uh, will position Taiwan best going forward, A, with full cooperation with United States, and B, maintain certain type of dialogue that is productive and conducive to maintain uh, stability in cross-strait relations. Thank you, Eric. I'm sure we'll come back to cross-strait relations, but I did want to turn to Feifan first. Feifan, as you mentioned, you're a close advisor of Vice President William Lai. I'd like to just turn to you to describe a bit more about how you view the current election, Vice President Lai, and what are some of his signature policies? Yes, thank you, Bonnie. But I think uh, VP Lai, uh, if you look at his career path uh, since uh, as a politician, he started with the uh, National Assemblies as a legislator and uh, as, a, as a national legislator for many years and became the mayor of Tainan, which is the ancient city of Taiwan, for almost eight years. And he became the premier of Taiwan. And then right now, uh, after uh, 2020, he became the vice president. So you can see the full track records uh, of his policies and his performance 
as not just being a local politician, but he has uh, experience to govern on the national levels uh, in different roles, not just as a legislative uh, legislator, uh, but also as a premier for a couple of years. And I think the second part of the policies that we have been we have seen uh, during this campaign, he has been trying to uh, lay out to the general public. You can see that he's not just uh, contacting his views on his stance on national defense capabilities and national defense reforms, but you can see his attitudes toward the cross-strait. He supports the cross-strait dialogues uh, on the basis of without preconditions. And you can also see that he lay out a lot of policies, uh, domestic policies especially, on economy and also uh, a lot of different social welfare policies. For example, we know the younger generation has been suffered for uh, many different types of issues, including housing issues, including the wages, including another. And he's suggesting to promote uh, a more substantial helps to the younger generations in terms of the economy and also the housing issues, wages issues. And he has a full plan, not just uh, in his time as a mayor of Tainan. Tainan is a city, for example. Tainan is a city that uh, TSMC is also loca- uh, located in Tainan as well. So he has the experience to govern uh, of the cities that have uh, very essential and very important supply chains in Taiwan. And so he knows that uh, in the national-wide levels that he also needs to uh, effectively promote the policies that will help our roles in Taiwan, especially Taiwan's roles in the supply chain's resilience. So I think looking back his performance in the past 10 or 20 years as a politician from different levels, you can find that he is a very experienced politician. And certainly he's not just a local politician, but he's a national-wide has experience in governing the country. Yeah. Thank you, Feifan. And how would you characterize the differences between Vice President Lai and the other candidates in terms of his cross-strait policies? We heard Eric point out some of the differences earlier with, with Mayor Ho, but what would you see as major differences? Yeah, I, I think first of all that we know the strategic environment around Taiwan is totally different from the past previous years. The current strategic environment for Taiwan is clear that China is a real challenge for Taiwan, not just a security side, but from a lot of different fronts as well, from economic security, from the, our national security, and from the people's understanding of democracy as well. So I think the connected warfare front is also important. So we know the whole landscape of the strategic environment has been changed. And so long-term strategic objective for us in terms of the cross-strait is to maintain the stability and the peace across Taiwan Strait. Uh, that's certainly clear. And But how to maintain this peace and stability? From our side, our view is that it is very important to help Taiwan to strengthen our national defense capabilities. And not just to having dialogue or put hopes of maintaining peace, um, purely just having dialogue. We must to have the certain capabilities and to improve our national defense reforms to help Taiwan to solidify the people and to help Taiwan to equip more the strength uh, on defense and, and also show the world that we have the will 
to defend our own democracy. So that's the I think that that's the first part of that. And the second part is that while we know some people have the uh, the, the views on DPP, uh, maybe suggesting that DPP is not willing to talk to China. I, I think that very clearly that DPP has a strong will to support dialogue with China. For this current administration in the past eight years, that under President Tsai's leadership, I think we have emphasized again and again reiterating our stance on uh, having the effective and productive dialogues with CCP with China. But you can see that the attitude from uh, across the Straits is totally uh, opposite. So that's a strategic environment that we have been seen and witnessed. So I think from our views, certainly it's different from the KMT's uh, positions that we noticed that Mayor Ho and also Cohen uh, have emphasized in different platforms to having dialogues under different uh, conditions or different preconditions. But from our side is that we will uh, support the dialogues uh, on the basis of no preconditions. I think that's a major differences. Eric, did you want to weigh in here on what Feifang mentioned in terms of Mayor Ho willing to engage with China under different preconditions? What are what are these preconditions that he has set? Well, thank you. I think in terms of communication and dialogue, what is most important for a lot of Taiwanese are the pragmatic aspect of how the communication can be carried forward at the same time. How, how can Taiwan uh, maintain certain autonomy and sovereignty? So Mayor Ho or the KMT in general practice is to abide by the international understanding and standard uh, going forward. I think the cross-strait relations uh, has somewhat been set back aligning with the U.S.-China competition in the past few years. Nevertheless, we have seen the great powers between U.S. and China having and initiating uh, dialogues and communications on areas that they must cooperate, uh, climate change being one of them. I think this uh, serves as a model for Taiwan, and this serves as a model for uh, those political parties who, who are willing to further and restart communication with Beijing. The preconditions Feifan has mentioned, um, I believe many will refer to us whether both mainland China and Taiwan are under this so-called One China framework. I, I understand um, a lot of people in Taiwan might disagree with this framework, but however, the framework is only to propel conversations as productive to maintain the stability of cross-strait. And at this time, I don't think any party or any individuals in Taiwan uh, will give any more meanings to uh, one China than it, it, it is. And Eric, what are your views on the KMT commitment to the defense of Taiwan? There's, of course, been media articles discussing Mayor Ho's comments in this area, as well as his desire to reduce some of the military service requirements. What are your thoughts, and, and how has this evolved? Well, I think KMT has 
a very strong commitment in terms of building our defense capability. Here in Washington, the communication evolved around asymmetric defense strategy. And KMT largely agree with that strategy, understanding there is a lopsided military spending between the CCP and Taiwan, and how can we build our defense and utilize our resources to the best so we can defend ourselves. And I think that is also built on the assumption that Taiwan is not a troublemaker here. We are simply building a defense and we are not looking to initiate any military conflict. So I think at this time, uh, KMT will not only talk about building just defense capabilities in terms of weaponary systems. I think we emphasize a lot of our strategies based on building societal consensus, preparing the society for the worst case scenario. And also, how do we modernize our military um, personnel? So um, not only we prepare them for doomsday scenario to fight in the military conflict, but how do we cultivate and culture and how do we help our military personnel to better in their professional capacity with what they do? Uh, for example, uh, it's very important for them to have technological backgrounds, for them to have a language ability so they can interact with our American allies or with others around the world. Thank you. Feynman, let me now turn to you to ask a little bit about the polling results and where each of the different candidates are, but also briefly your view of the momentum gained by the third-party candidate we've talked about, Mirko Angela. What is your sense of the polling figures now? My understanding is that currently Vice President Lai isn't polling as high as President Tsai was at approximately this time four years ago. And related to that, how do you view America and where where his polling numbers are? What does that mean in terms of what the, what the DPP has to think about moving forward for this election? Yes, thank you, Bonnie. Uh, I think that the polling trends that we have observed is changing actually every moment. It's changed very fast. Uh, you can see that uh, the whole trend since the beginning of this year in January, that DPP has just faced very serious defeat in local elections. So at that time, actually in January, we have, as we observed that uh, the KMT has the uh, relatively higher support than DPP at, the mo- at that moment. But things changed rapidly after, I think, uh, VP Lai took the position as DPP's chair. And he has been conducting a lot of different reforms within the party. So that effectively helped the DPP to garner more support from the general public. And you have witnessed that as well this couple of months, that VP Lai's supporting rate is uh, relatively very stable. Is right now it's around like 35% to 40% according to different polling organizations or different media. And we see the trends right now uh, is that VP Lai supporting is steadily increasing. So that's a whole trend that we have been uh, watching. Uh, 
And but on on the other hand, that we also see the polling of the supporting between uh, Miracle and also uh, Mayor Ho. Uh, and Coenter's supporting rate is is one thing that very interesting uh, phenomenon we have been observing. That's beginning of the the race that Coenter's TPP party is actually like behind in in the race. But after the half years, uh, right now we have witnessed that the Coenzer's phenomena, uh, that uh, uh, the TPP support or Coenzer supports is higher uh, than the KMT. Coenzer got like twenty to twenty five something, and Hoyo is is about like a twenty to twenty three or sometimes twenty five. That's what we have witnessed. Thank you. Eric, what are your thoughts looking at the race, this three-way race? Do you think there is a chance that perhaps two of the candidates might merge tickets and run on the same ticket? Particularly, there's been speculation of whether that might potentially occur between the KMT candidate as well as the TPP Coast Party. Political polling is very scientific way for observers to track the trend of the elections. So I'll I'll share my observation, and though we're still hundred some days away from the election day itself, but I think we can see a general pattern: one that、um, there is a large percentage.、Uh, sometimes, if you you see in the polls that they are the majority of Taiwanese voters, that people wants a change in government. In change of government, that can also be understood as maybe、um, they want a change of ruling party. So,、um, as a result of that, it flows to my second point. These supporters are now divided among、uh, the TPP candidate and the KMT candidate. So that question for many has arise as what Bonnie said: Would the two gentlemen, two campaign join ticket? And run as running mates、uh, to challenge the current ruling party, even though President Tsai Ing-wen、uh, is no longer running as a candidate because she served her two terms. And I think an interesting point Bonnie mentioned earlier is that VP Lai Qingde does not enjoy the popularity that President Tsai Ing-wen does. I think that has. Many reasons, and I think one of the reason is that many will argue VP Lai might not be as a charismatic、uh, candidate as、uh, President Tsai. On our side, I think the voters, when the elections looms closer, will make a decision: a, what is the predominant cause of them going to the ballot? Do they want Change in terms of ruling party—that's one thing. And second, when they want to change in ruling party, what is it that they want from new government? I think this is when the KMT, at least in my perspective, come in with a very strong argument that、um, we have a policy platform, a strong policy platform compared to TPP's candidate、uh, Ke Wenzhe, and also. Uh, we have articulated our cross-strait policy, our energy policy, our defense policy, our economic policy. 
So whenever we talk about whether two camps or two candidates can join one another, we have to reflect upon these questions. Do we align in terms of ideologies? Do we have、uh, similar policies? And then we can talk about whether the two can become one ticket. I don't personally. I don't foresee it from happening anytime soon. I think we have till November, early November, to formally register、um, the election commission in Taiwan.、Um, I think I foresee for the next month or so that each candidate will try to do its best job to convince the voters why they are the best person to vote for. Even though I think、uh, it is unlikely, I don't want to completely rule out the chance of another independent candidate running uh, in uh, Taiwanese business tycoon、uh, Terry Guo. But I am very confident that in the end,、uh, Hou Youyi will be、uh, the strongest opposition candidate. And I think even though we are lacking in the polls today,、um, we still have. A very good chance of winning in、uh, January. Let me now turn to what each party is recently engaging in and has planned as we move forward. We know that DPP Vice President Al Lai recently conducted a transit of the United States as he went to attend the inauguration of the new president in Paraguay. As we look at this transit, which has been de- described as standard by U.S. Secretary Blinken, Faithan, how does this fit into the the DPP's election prospects? We know that VP Lai, as a sitting vice president, can't come to Washington. Is this his stop in the United States? And how does this? And how do you view the success, or how do you view the outcome of this transit? Yes, I think that the transits、uh, of VP Lai to the U.S. is very successful from our views. We have been seeing that this transit, as、uh, the U.S.、Uh, Secretary、uh, Blinken has addressed, that it's a, sin- a standard and it's normal for Taiwanese sitting vice president to transit to the U.S. And it's also this is also not the first time the VP Lai transit to the U.S. Every arrangement、uh, from our view. Is actually coherent with the current Tsai administration's policies and also the U.S. standard to handling、uh, the transit from、uh, Taiwan's sitting、uh, vice president. So I think this time uh, uh, it's no difference、uh, as a previous experience we have. But we have seen this time that VP Lai handled these transits in a very productive way. And coherent with the not just coherent with the the current Tsai administration's policy, but also the U.S. expectation as well. That you can see this transit is、uh, being handling very low key somehow. And also, as I observed, that is a joint effort between Taiwan and the U.S. We try to show the world that、uh, Taiwan definitely、uh, we know、uh, the risks and also what's at stakes in the region. Uh, when they're handling these transits, they also have the idea of、uh, to showing the world that、uh, the DPP is a responsible、uh, stakeholder and also responsible actors in the region. And so we want to show in the world that we will not like、uh, pursuing any kind of uh, uh, symbolic progress during、uh, this transit. 
But more importantly, that we're trying to conduct these transits, handle these transits in a substantial way. That really helps Taiwan to bolster our relationship with the U.S. and to build the mutual trust from not just a VP's campaign, but it's certainly it's a continuity of uh, the policy stance of the uh, the President Tsai's administration as well. Yeah. Thank you, Fei Not to put words in your mouth, but just listening to what you said, it seems like what you're saying is that this recent transit by VP Lai was a demonstration of how he would how he would govern, right? Very much consistent with President Tsai, and it countered what you mentioned perceptions that some outsiders have that he would necessarily take a different track. And it also counters, from your perspective, some of the concerns from both folks outside of Taiwan that he may be more pro-independent than, than President Tsai. Yes, I, I think that in the past we have uh, uh, sometimes received some questions. It's not kind of a doubt, but sometimes we receive People asking about VP uh, Lai's stance, but I think in this during this campaign we have uh, seen that very clearly, VP Lai uh, is not just emphasizing or reiterating his stance of uh, the continuity of our policies from the Thai administration to uh, a future Lai administration. Uh, we also seen that a lot of actual actions conveyed by VP Lai's, uh, not just during the campaign. Uh, but also as a, his role as a vice president, he uh, so this transit uh, is a, a proof and somehow a very clear evidence that he will continue the path of current time relations, uh, national security stance, and also our foreign policy stance. That, so we will handle our foreign policy, also national security policies, in a ways that were coherent with the current administration. Eric, what are your thoughts? How do you view this transit? And what does this mean in terms of what the KMT side might have planned? I'm seeing in the news that that Ho plans to visit the United States. How will his visit be different from Lai's transit? So it, it, even in a democracy, governing uh, parties, they do have some advantages. I think Vice President Lai's transit is probably one of the examples. That, so he uh, came to the United States as a vice president, not as a presidential candidate. But um, it's hard for the public perception to differentiate between the two. And I thought that the the chance it was handled, at least in the U.S. part, that being a quite low profile. And we are expecting um, the same thing for our candidate. We have made it clear in public we are here. Um, not to make any campaign stunts. We are here to communicate, better understand each other uh, between our candidate, our policymakers, and the American officials or think tank, think tank folks and the think tank community. So we wish when our candidate come um, in mid-September to be having meetings that are candid and they are meaningful and they, we are not here just for photo ops. Um, in terms of expectation, uh, we have every confidence that this will be a fair play. Um, our treatment will be um, the same among other candidates. I think Mirka was in the United States earlier a few months back, 
and um, Vice President Lai just had his transit. Though I emphasize um, there isn't much differences when it comes to diplomacy um, among different parties. So、um, Vice President Lai's transit, he he was representing the entire Taiwanese people and not just as a DPP candidate. So I think、uh, with that small difference, when Hoyo, when Mayor Hall was here, even though his primary objective is to have meaningful communications with American officials, he will have more leeway as a presidential candidate、uh, from the KMT. And we look forward to not only meet with American counterparts, but also with our supporters with、uh, within America. And then, I, as、uh, far as I know, I think there are some、uh, dinners set up, and I think that he is very well received so far. And we really look forward to his trip in September. Eric, when it comes to More leeway for Mayor Ho. Do you expect that Mayor Ho would be traveling not only, for example, to New York City, but also potentially to Washington D.C.? As you know, there are sensitivities with sitting Taiwan political leaders traveling to、uh, Washington D.C., and I think that was one of the constraints that Vice President Lai faced. Yes. So I think, if I may, we don't have to look that. Back, I think VP Lai made it a comment in one of his、uh, closed door events that he envisioned himself as president and walking into the White House. I thought、um, that created some ripple effect here in Washington. And、um, I, as far as I understand, clarification was needed from his camp. So the answer is yes. I think Mayor Ho do plan to travel to DC.、Uh, however, I think、um, a lot of the Official meetings, we rather keep it low key, but there will be some public appearances.、Uh, for example, think tank or dinner with our supporters, and for those public appearances,、um, he will be conducted through his capacity as a presidential candidate. So the restriction is not on the candidate, but on the vice president. So I think it will be quite interesting to observe. How does Washington decide to implement fair game when there is a restriction on the current sitting vice president, but the restriction doesn't apply to other two candidates who are mayor and former mayors? Thank you, Pivana. I did want to let let you weigh in on what、uh, Eric mentioned in terms of VP Lai's comment of entering the White House. Just really briefly, if you want to comment on that. I think that the、uh, as Eric mentioned about、uh, VP Lai's uh, uh, previous comments on as a our president to entering the White House that means the success、uh, of、uh, of Taiwan or something.、Uh, I think that phrase, if you look at the complete context of his speech, you can find out he's mentioning this、uh, phrase in the context of an analogy, an analogy that the White House. It, these elections is the choice between our directions to the White House means the U.S. and also the Zhongnanhai means China. So I think he's being asked a question from the audience at that moment. So he need to reply the questions, and so he replies in the context of of the, the question being asked. So the question original question is that. 
what do you see the Taiwan's future directions? Is that our choice between moving toward uh, the White House, which means to moving to a closer relationship with the U.S., or should we move toward Zhongnanhai, which implies Beijing and China? So under this context, he has a very clear uh, sense of that the White House uh, in this context means the U.S. and Zhongnanhai means China. So when he mentioned about the so-called entering uh, the White House, actually in Mandarin, uh, he phrased it is actually the moving toward uh, the closer relationship with the U.S. So that's a original context. And but uh, sadly, we've seen that a lot of the different media has actually took out the full context and just pick some words and make it become the headlines. So that caused some questions uh, about that and people's curiosity about his original meaning. Uh, so I think after this explanation, many people can understand uh, what does he mean. Yeah. Well, well, thank you, Feifan. Uh, as we look forward, and I think Eric, you mentioned this, we still have quite some time before the elections. And Eric, you mentioned that in November is when candidates have to formally register with the election commission. So as you look forward, what are important dates or milestones to keep in mind? And do you expect polling numbers to potentially vary significantly between now and the election? Uh, Eric, let me turn to you first. Sure. So I, th I think uh, September is crucial when we look at in terms of dates in campaigning. September, I think two things, two, at least two uh, major events will happen. A is Mayor Ho will be traveling to the United States. That's one big event. Second is we talk about um, a potential fourth candidate. So if this candidate would to be on the ballot, he will have to start gathering petitions. Of, uh, I think it's 45 days before the uh, official registration date. So um, that will be transparent in September. If the fourth candidate do decide to enter the race, they will have one type of impact. If he decided not to, I highly suspect that there will be a major bandwagoning between the voters among uh, the support of candidates. And just to be clear, are you when you're referring to this fourth candidate, are you referring to Terry Gore? That's correct. The fourth candidate being Terry Gore. Okay, thank you. Feifan, what are your thoughts in terms of moving forward? Yeah, I think uh, moving towards September is that we will see not just the candidate Hou Yi's visit to the U.S., but from our side, I think VP Lai's campaign has prepared to to announce his more detailed uh, national policy platforms. So there's a, a major progress from the campaign side that in September's and October's that we will lay out and announce step-by-step uh, -step of our national policy platforms. Um, so I think that will also draw uh, more people to discuss the actual uh, policies differences between VP Light and the, the other candidates. So I think from our, our view is that as a responsible government and also responsible political party, that's quite essential for our candidate to 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 uh, announce and to 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 lay out his uh, future prospect and presentation on on uh, on the countries and different 
policies. So I think in September and October, you will see more detailed discussions on the policies. And in November, before the registration of the candidacy, official candidacy, I think another discussion would be the VP's candidate from the different campaigns. So I think that would be also, I think, a turning point uh, somehow that would definitely impact people's understanding of this campaign and maybe people's choice uh, in for this election. Yeah. Thank you. In the interest of time, I'd like to wrap up by getting your final thoughts on the future of cross-strait relations. I'd love for each of you to share your assessment on how you think cross-area relations may or may not change if your candidate is elected. And, of course, if you want to highlight one main concern that you have of another or, or multiple opposition candidates. So, Feifan, let me turn to you first, and then Eric will we'll turn to you to wrap up. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Bonnie. Uh, I think, as I said before, that the strategic environment about, around Taiwan has been changed. And... So the current cross-strait relations, as we have observed, that the, the tensions around the Taiwan Straits, I think people have very similar uh, understanding, not just inside Taiwan, but also uh, around the world, that uh, China's, it's get, China is getting more uh, aggressive than ever before. And China's intentions to change the current status quo not just across Taiwan Strait, but also the regional order has been the concerns for many different countries. Uh, so I think against this backdrop, that from our point of view, if China still insists their uh, attitudes or their policies to change the status quo in the region, and then the tensions around Taiwan will not be easily uh, uh, smooth or somehow to mitigate. So I think that uh, that is a very important backdrop for us to understand the current cross-strait tensions. And so I th- I can imagine after these elections, Beijing would definitely need to see, to think about who could be uh, the, the president or uh, which government can offer uh, more space uh, for China to improve their uh, strategic goals. So I think uh, from my personal point of view that the two current opposition party, the KMT and TPP, during this campaign, they have been offered, uh, or they have offered some certain preconditions from the KMT side is a 1992 consensus under one China for the cross-strait dialogue. And for the TPP Kowenzo, they emphasize two sides of the straits or one family as a platform for the, the cross-strait dialogue. I think for China, that they would definitely want to see more, not just on this basis, but they definitely want to pursue a, a greater improvement of their controls over Taiwan Strait and also to change the status quo. So if that is the case, that if the two oppositions, uh, any of them, win the elections, uh, definitely, I think China would like to keep the opportunities and somehow to to use that, to utilize this window to pursue a closer integration 
of Taiwan. And if that's the case, that would change the whole dynamic of the region. So that would be a concerning situation for the international community. Thank you. Very fascinating to hear that your assessment is China will try to capitalize in, on a either a TPP or a KMD candidate and change the status quo. Uh, Eric, over to you. Any final thoughts as well as your assessment? As we see in the international arena that there are more dialogue conducted between Washington and Beijing, we are optimistic about uh, cross-trade relations going forward. However, that being said, we think that there are, are differences between each candidate's cross-trade policy. And Feifan is right that Mayor Ho's cross-trade predominantly you know, is based on 992 consensus. 992 consensus is a concept to maintain a status quo and not to change the political status quo by any ways and means. And I think Beijing understand that, and Beijing has to respect when the KMT say uh, one China with different interpretation, that one China being the Republic of China, uh, that's Taiwan's legitimate government, and that we have no intention at these at this point to further any political dialogue that will mean to change the current status quo. So I think also um, to reflect more on this point that cross-trade relations hasn't been a big topic or point of debate in this presidential election as of it. I personally think this is a very crucial point for uh, Taiwanese to have discussions and electing a new leader of the country for the next four years. So I suspect maybe in November or December, we will hear more from each camp on this. And I think the challenge for VP Lai is how he can or he couldn't, he could or he couldn't continue on President Tsai's platform or whether people believe uh, he has intention of continuing the current course. And the second question is, is the current course the best course for Taiwan going forward? And I think the challenge for Mayor Kud is, uh, quite frankly, and I know it's unfair to him because he doesn't have a representative here, what is his cross-strait policy? I think a lot of observers are quite puzzled in terms of whether he does have a platform or what what policy does it entail from his platform? So I think uh, cross-strait relations will be a major issue going forward. And I think uh, Mirho will articulate more of his cross-strait policies when he comes to Washington in September. Thank you very much, Eric. And thank you very much, Feifan. And Eric, to your point, I, I do agree with you. It is a bit unfair to talk about Taiwan's elections without a representative from one of the three major parties. So I do take that and perhaps we'll try to invite a representative from Mayor Kua's team for a future podcast episode. But I really appreciate all the fantastic insights from both of you. It's a very rich discussion and gives us great insight into 
the state of Taiwan's presidential elections, as well as the views and platforms of each of the two leading candidates. So thank you both very much for joining me. Thank you, Bonnie. Thank you.